The Westminster Confession of Faith was first published in 1646. It was the result of the hard work done by a group of men called the Westminster Divines. Their goal was to outline what they believed the scriptures principally taught. And it has been said that the Church of Christ cannot be creedless and live. Thankfully, the Westminster Confession of Faith has been the creed of the Reformed Church for almost 400 years. This podcast seeks to point you to Christ, to help you navigate the Westminster Confession of Faith, and to see you understand what you believe and why you believe it. Welcome to This We Confess. Westminster Confession of Faith, Chapter 8, Of Christ the Mediator, Paragraph 8. To all those for whom Christ hath purchased redemption, he doth certainly and effectually apply and communicate the same, making intercession for them, and revealing unto them in and by the word the mysteries of salvation, effectually persuading them by his Spirit to believe and obey, and governing their hearts by his word and spirit, overcoming all their enemies by his almighty power and wisdom, in such manner and ways as are most consonant to his wonderful and unsearchable dispensation. Welcome once again to another episode of This We Confess, and today sees us bringing an end to chapter 8 of the Westminster Confession. It feels like we have been in chapter 8 for an incredibly long period of time. Most of the paragraphs within chapter 8 don't lend themselves to doubling up or tripling up, so we have to really cover them one by one. Particularly last time out was a very difficult passage. But today we finish on a wonderfully encouraging note. It is a paragraph that is all of Christ that brings an end to this chapter. By God's grace, next week we move into chapter 9. But today we think on this paragraph before us, Christ the Mediator and what Christ has done for us. Paragraph 8 begins by telling us that for everyone who Christ has purchased redemption for, he will certainly apply it and communicate it to them. Simply put, this opening sentence tells us that for everyone who the Father has given to the Son, they will be saved. It is simply not possible in human history to say that there was someone who in eternity past was ordained unto salvation and somehow they managed to slip through the fingers of Christ. It just cannot be. Everyone who Christ has purchased redemption for, he will certainly and effectually apply and communicate that redemption to them. We see that in the scriptures. In John chapter 6 and verses 37 and 39, the Lord Jesus tells us, All that the Father gives me will come to me, and whoever comes to me I will never cast out. The Lord Jesus is utterly confident here. Every single one who the Father has given unto the Son will come to the Son, and everyone who comes to the Son will not be cast out. Jesus continues in verse 39 by stating, This is the will of him who sent me, that I should lose nothing of all that he has given me but raise it up on the last day. 
I love these verses and I love this statement and the confession. It gives us absolute confidence in our evangelism and in our prayers and, and in life itself. We can look forward to the final day knowing that all elected unto salvation in eternity, all given from the Father to the Son, will be saved. I suspect I would not preach if I did not believe this. If salvation depended on me and my abilities to convince sinners, then I think I would hang it up even now. I do not think I would preach ever again. But instead I know and believe that all who the Father has given to the Son will come to the Son. The Spirit will draw them onto Jesus. This is God's plan of salvation. And so today I, like you, can be confident in my gospel proclamation, knowing and believing that God is at work and he will accomplish that which he has purposed. And Jesus speaking in John chapter 10 of Jewish and Gentile believers says this, Just as the Father knows me, and I know the Father, and I lay down my life for the sheep, I have other sheep that are not of this fold. I must bring them also, and they will listen to my voice. So there will be one flock and one shepherd. Here Jesus speaks of how the church will be made up of Jewish and Gentile believers, but every single one of them will hear his voice. They will listen to his voice. They will be drawn by the Spirit to him. They will be part of the one flock, the one bride, the church of Jesus Christ, under the headship of our one shepherd, our Saviour, our Lord, our friend, Jesus. For all those who Jesus has purchased redemption, he will certainly and effectually apply and communicate this very same redemption. After this wonderfully confidence-inducing note, the Westminster Divines continue by reminding us of where Christ is now. Jesus today is at the right hand of the Father. Flesh and blood is at the right hand of the Father. And Jesus is there and very much active in making intercession for his bride, the church. In 1 John chapter 2 and verses 1 to 2, John tells us, My little children, I am writing these things to you so that you may not sin. But if anyone does sin, we have an advocate with the Father, Jesus Christ the righteous. He is the propitiation for our sins, and not for ours only, but also for the sins of the whole world. Here John reminds us that Christ is our advocate. Christ stands for us in the heavenly court. And again, this should produce a wonderfully humble confidence, knowing that if we fall into sin, our advocate stands for us in the heavenly realms. And so says Paul in Romans chapter 8, Who is to condemn? Christ Jesus is the one who died. More than that, who was raised, who is at the right hand of God, who indeed is interceding for us. As Christians, we often go through periods of time where we really struggle with sin. We repent of it day by day, and yet still the guilt and the shame of it cling so closely to us. We often hear the enemy's accusing tones, telling us that we are unlovable, telling us that we will fall through the fingertips of Christ, telling us that we will never see glory. And yet here the Westminster Divines, pulling from the clear teaching of Scripture, remind us that Christ, our mediator, not only has he accomplished and purchased redemption for us and applied and communicated it to us, but today he makes intercession for us. Now, of course, as John tells us, this is not an excuse to sin. My little children, he says, I am writing these things to you so that you may not sin. 
This is not an excuse to live however we wish, not an excuse to take sin lightly, of course not. But if we do sin, we know that we have an advocate and an intercessor who stands for us. And so Christ intercedes for us, and day by day he reveals to us, in and by his word, the mysteries of salvation. Every single day the Lord Jesus Christ grows us up in the faith. Every single day as we open his word, we read more and more of the mysteries, that which once was hidden but now has been revealed, the mysteries of salvation. Jesus says in John 15 and verses 13 and 15, Greater love has no one than this, that someone lay down his life for his friends. No longer do I call you servants, says Jesus, for the servant does not know what his master is doing. But I have called you friends, for all that I have heard from my Father I have made known to you. Christ Jesus, our Lord, the Son of God, the Word of God, has revealed unto us the mysteries of salvation. Paul tells us this as well in Ephesians chapter 1, verses 7 to 9. In Christ, writes Paul, we have redemption through his blood, the forgiveness of our trespasses, according to the riches of his grace, which he lavished upon us in all wisdom and insight, making known to us the mystery of his will, according to his purpose, which he set forth in Christ. Once more, in Christ, the mysteries of salvation have been revealed unto us. And Jesus says this in John 17 and verse 6, I have manifested your name to the people whom you gave me out of the world. Yours they were, and you gave them to me, and they have kept your word. Jesus has spoken to us, and today if we want to know him more, we can read his word. Today, if we desire growth in the Christian life, we can read his word. And so truly today, we are a blessed people. The Christian is not on some lifelong quest to discover hidden knowledge and mysteries. The Christian does not need to climb mountains and to go through chores and trials to reach a higher level of spiritual knowledge. Jesus has revealed to us in and by the word the mysteries of salvation. And in the 66 books of the Word of God, we have absolutely everything we need. We need no new revelation. We do not need to depend on dreams or visions or any of those extra things which so many in the church today put emphasis in. No. Christ has spoken. Christ has revealed unto us who he is and what he has done. He has told us of his intercession. He has spoken to us of how the Father has given the people unto the Son. The Word of God has told us how Christ has purchased redemption for those people and how he applies it and communicates it to us. Jesus, our mediator, has revealed unto us in and by his word the mystery of salvation. And so this in itself should encourage us more and more to be knee-deep in the word, never feeling that we have mastered it, never feeling that we have graduated from it and can move on to something new, but being men and women who love the Lord and therefore love his word. And as this paragraph continues, we are told that Christ effectively persuades us by his spirit to believe and obey, and he governs our hearts by his word and by his spirit. Here we see that salvation is all of God and that salvation is a work, therefore, of our triune God. 
We have heard already that the Father gives to the Son, and the Son lays down his life for those the Father has given him. Here we see the work of the Holy Spirit in salvation, the third person of the Trinity. The Holy Spirit is the one who effectually persuades the elect to believe and to obey. Jesus tells us in John 14 and verse 26, The Helper, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, he will teach you all things and bring to your remembrance all that I have said to you. The Holy Spirit is active in the Christian's life from start to finish. The Holy Spirit is the one who causes us to be born again and who enables us to believe in Christ as he is offered in the gospel. The Holy Spirit, therefore, is the one who effectually persuades us to believe and to obey. Paul tells us in Hebrews 12 and verse 2 that Christ is the founder and perfecter of our faith. And so Christ sends his Spirit to perfect our faith, to grow us up in the faith, to sanctify us, and to make us more like him. The Holy Spirit persuades us to believe and to obey. And by the same Spirit, Christ governs our hearts by both his word and his Spirit. We are told by Paul in Romans chapter 8 and verse 9, We are not in the flesh, but in the Spirit, if in fact the Spirit of God dwells in you. Anyone who does not have the Spirit of Christ does not belong to him. And verse 14, for all who are led by the Spirit of God are sons of God. So the Lord Jesus Christ sends the Holy Spirit to help us to believe and obey. And by his word and spirit, he governs our hearts. Everyone who has come to know Christ as their Savior has received the gift of the Holy Spirit as a result. As we have just heard, if we are sons of God, then we have the Spirit of God. And it is by the Spirit of God that we live and breathe and work. Paul says in Romans chapter 15 and verse 18, I will not venture to speak of anything except what Christ has accomplished through me to bring the Gentiles to obedience. By word and deed, he says, by the power of signs and wonders, by the power of the Spirit of God. Paul was under no illusions that it was not down to him that this work was accomplished. But having been brought to saving faith in Christ by a work of the Holy Spirit, having been enabled to believe and obey, and now living a life where his heart was governed by Christ's word and by Christ's spirit, Paul gave all the credit to any work to the Lord God Almighty. Christ has accomplished this through me, says Paul, by word and deed, by the power of signs and wonders which the apostles were equipped with to show the authenticity of their message, and by the power of the Spirit of God, says the Apostle. The Christian life is one where we are to keep in step with the Holy Spirit. The Christian life is one where anything we do for the cause of the gospel is done in the power of the Holy Spirit. The Christian life is one where we can look for and expect growth as the Spirit governs our hearts and leads us to Christ and shows us more of Jesus in the Word every single day. No wonder the Lord prayed in John 17 and verse 17, Sanctify them, sanctify my children in the truth. Your word is truth. Every single day we are being sanctified by the word and by the spirit as we are growing up in the faith and made more like Christ. And as this paragraph comes to a close, the Westminster Divines tell us that Christ also is actively overcoming all our enemies by his almighty power and wisdom. 
They use a lovely phrase to describe this. They say that he does this in such manner and ways as are most consonant to his wonderful and unsearchable dispensation. This simply means that Christ overcomes our enemies in ways that are in agreement or are consonant with his wonderful and unsearchable plan or his wonderful and unsearchable dispensation. Christ overcomes our enemies according to his ways, according to his plan and in agreement with that eternal and divine plan. This is a great comfort that the Lord Jesus Christ today is actively defending us against our enemies. Today our mediator is an active mediator and today he is reigning. Paul writes in 1 Corinthians chapter 15 and verse 25, he must reign until he has put all his enemies under his feet. And indeed, says Paul, the last enemy to be destroyed is death. Christ is reigning and actively waging war against our enemies. The victory has already been guaranteed. The fatal and decisive blow was struck at Calvary. But Christ continues to wage war against Satan, who roars against the church because his time is short, and Christ is winning this war. At times it may not seem like it. At times it might appear that the church is on the back foot. But Christ is active, and he is overcoming all our enemies by his almighty power and wisdom. His plan is being worked out, and he must and will reign until all his enemies are under his feet, and the last enemy, that is death, will be destroyed. Jesus gives us words of confidence in this. In Malachi chapter 4 and verse 2 to 3, we read, For you who fear my name, the Son of Righteousness shall rise with healing in its wings. You shall go out leaping like calves from the stall, and you shall tread down the wicked, for they will be ashes under the soles of your feet. On the day when I act, says the Lord of hosts. Today we can be confident that even if it feels like the church is losing, the opposite is true. Our Saviour Jesus is victorious. He is working out his plan and his sovereign purposes. He is bringing salvation to bear in the lives of millions all throughout this world and all throughout human history. And Christ's enemies and ours will ultimately be overcome. Paul tells us in Colossians 2 and 15, Christ disarmed the rulers and authorities and put them to open shame by triumphing over them. And the word of prophecy in Psalm 110 verse 1 tells us, The Lord says to my Lord, Sit at my right hand until I make your enemies your footstool. Today we are in this period of history where this is being worked out, where Christ our mediator is at the right hand of the Father and he will remain there until all of his enemies are his footstool. Until we get to that day, there may be tough times ahead and there may be periods of history that the church is truly in the darkness of the valley. But one day we will come out of that valley and the sun of righteousness will dawn upon us. Today, this paragraph does not strike fear into our hearts, but instead confidence. As this chapter comes to a close, it is worth going back to paragraph one and reading all the way through. I love this chapter. I love what it tells us of Jesus. I love how it helps us to speak of Jesus. And I love that it feeds our faith. 
And as we know, faith is a receiving and a resting in Christ as he is offered in the gospel. And so I do not know what time you're listening to this. Perhaps it is first thing in the morning on your way to work. Or perhaps it is as you climb into your bed and you're listening on your headphones as your loved one sleeps beside you. But friends, whenever you listen to this podcast and these paragraphs in particular, rest in Christ. Because our great mediator is the one who has purchased redemption for us. He has applied it and communicated it to us. He intercedes for us and speaks to us daily by his word. He is the one who has gifted the Holy Spirit to us, who leads us and persuades us and governs us and points us to Jesus. And our great mediator Christ is the one who today is actively at work and is overcoming our enemies by his almighty power and wisdom. My friends, my brothers and sisters, in Christ we have absolutely nothing to fear. And in Christ this day we can rest, for we have one who is for us, called Christ the King. As always, in closing, we have some questions for you. Question 1. Is it possible for the Father to give someone to the Son and then for that individual to be lost? Question 2. Why should the believer have no regard for Satan's barbs and accusations? Question 3. In the Bible, a mystery is something that once was hidden but has now been revealed. What mystery has Christ revealed? And how did he reveal it? Question 4. True or false? Only some Christians have the Holy Spirit. And question 5. Our mediator is an active mediator. How is he active today? That's all for today. As always, my name is Scott Woodburn. And until next time, this we confess. Thank you.